steering the ship correctly when things are not as easy as all that. And this, of course, is addressed to the leadership primarily. It's addressed to Zerubbabel and jo Joshua, the, the civil and the religious leader. And this is the message that comes, and it, it is in verse 4. Um, four down to nine, and I've got three parts to this message, I think. Yes, I have. Three parts to this message. The first is they're very simple. This is not a difficult passage. It's very simple. Here it is. But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, verse 4 declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. The first message of God to his people who, as I say, are demoralized and disappointed, discouraged, is be strong, be courageous. Listen, how often in the Bible is that God's message to his people? Does your mind, those of you who know the Bible, does it not go to Joshua chapter 1? And Joshua starts off like this. God said to Joshua, who was the leader but he was a brand new leader. Moses, my servant, is dead. Uh, he wasn't announcing, this wasn't a funeral announcement. It, it was an announcement of a completely new situation. He, he's basically saying, look, Moses has fulfilled his ministry. Now the ball has passed to you. You've got to run with it. You are the leader. This is a new situation. He'd never led God's people before, and there were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them. It was an enormous task. And he could have run away, couldn't he? But God's word to him is, be strong and very courageous. Have not I commanded you, said the Lord. Do not be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Have not I commanded you, says the Lord. It's the same message. Interesting is what Jesus said when the disciples in the middle of the night were terrified. When they saw Jesus walking on the water, they were absolutely petrified. These are the words of Jesus in Mark 6, verse 50. He said, don't be, take courage. Don't be afraid. It is I. Be strong. Take courage. Don't be afraid. Is me. And I believe that that is God's message to his people again and again. So be strong and work. Don't look around at the enemy. Don't look backwards at your problems, but work. God is not a negative God. God doesn't sit and grumble about the past. And God's word to each of us in our situation is take courage, be strong, and work. And the reason is, for I am with you. Here it is, for I am with you. Now, as we consider those simple words, for I am with you, there are two factors here I just want to draw your attention to. The first is the name of the Lord. Now, in the NIV, it is not actually, in my view, as good as in some other versions. I just want to draw your attention here to the fact that in verse 4, it says, For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. That's what it says in the NIV, the Lord Almighty. But actually, the, a better translation, and it, that would be found in the older versions, is the Lord of hosts. 
And that is found, in actual fact, in many, many places in the Bible, in the Old Testament, but particularly, it's very popular in these three post-exilic prophets. Now, post-exilic means that they're, they're prophesying after the exile coming back from Babylon. That is Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. It's used many times, the Lord of hosts. So I just want to draw your attention to that. And the, the, the Hebrew is Yahweh Sabaoth, something like that. What is the meaning, the Lord of hosts? Who are these hosts? And it seems it's referring to the angelic hosts, the unseen armies of God. Don't you think Jesus was aware of them? Because at the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was arrested, he says in Matthew, he said, don't you realize that I could call, is it 12 legions of angels? He says, isn't it? I could call on 12 legions of angels and they'd finish you lot completely. But if I did that, the scriptures could not be fulfilled. Incredible statement. So Jesus knew about the armies of heaven. He knew about the angelic hosts. If you look at the, the use of this term, the Lord of hosts in the Old Testament, it is very much associated with the temple and with Jerusalem. And in the temple, there was beautiful artwork worked into what we would call the tapestries, the curtains, the veil, were the, the, these heavenly beings, the seraphim, the cherubim, the, the, the heavenly creatures that Isaiah saw when he went into the temple. Do you remember the call of Isaiah when he cried out? And he says, I, woe's me, I'm undone, I've seen the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Remember that? And he saw these creatures. Ezekiel saw these creatures in his vision. And so the Lord of hosts is the name of the Lord who fights for his people. In particular, for his honor in his temple and his city. Think of Psalm 24. Psalm 24 is one of the great processional psalms which they used to sing on festivals going up into Jerusalem, into the temple. And it, 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 these are some of the words. I'll just read you very quickly one or two of the words here that, just to remind you, some of you will know. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord Almighty or the Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And in Psalm um, 48, which is a psalm about Jerusalem and the defenses of Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem, the glory of Jerusalem, um, it, says, uh, it says these words. As we have heard, so we have seen in the city of the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. So here they are in Jerusalem. It's a devastated city. They've been building their own houses, but they've neglected the people of God. And the Lord says, listen, I am with you. I am the Lord of hosts. I am the Lord of heaven's armies. Get cracking on my work. And I'm going to defend you. That's what the Lord is saying here. 
Secondly, I want to draw your attention in verse 5 to the fact that the Lord reminded them of his covenant. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. It's a reminder of his covenanted presence in the mighty acts of God which delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt and brought them into the place where God met them on Mount Sinai through the mediation of Moses and the angels and into Canaan finally. So here is God. He's reminding them of who he is and he's reminding them of the mighty acts of God which brought Israel into being from a bunch of nobodies, slaves in Egypt and becoming the people of God and founding finally Jerusalem and the temple of God there. He says, I have not forgotten you. Now, I just want to say this, and I want to apply this. I believe this is a much-needed word for God's people in the UK today. God is at work. I thank God we've been reminded of Soul Survivor, New Wine. A whole group from our church went to New Wine. There are many other summer activities, summer camps. There was a lot of evangelism that went on at the Olympics didn't reach TV, of course, but it was going on. And I've been praying every day, I'm sure you have, for those evangelizing the huge crowds that went to the Olympic Games. Thank God, God is the living God. He is at work in all sorts of ways in this country. But we've got to be honest, there are many things that discourage us. This is largely an atheistic culture. There are many, thank God, individual Christians, but the culture itself is increasingly atheistic and rubbishes God and rubbishes his Christ. And as a result, I found that for many years, many Christians are scared of speaking out for Jesus. Someone told me two weeks ago, he said, oh, be careful what you say. You could be arrested for that. Interesting, isn't it? Those of us who are older, the thought of speaking up for Jesus and being arrested in Britain. But younger, that was a younger generation person, keen Christian, warned me, oh, be careful. If you speak up on the street like that, you'll be arrested and stuff like that. And of course, there are other things that can discourage us. And so I believe this is a very important word for each of us who are called to live for Jesus Christ in Britain today. Jesus the Lord God Almighty says, take courage, be strong, for I am with you. The Lord is not just with us when we feel good and when we feel he's with us and when everything seems to be going our way. Things were not going the way of the Jews in Haggai. That's why God called Haggai to, to give this word of prophecy. But God says, look, I am with you. Things don't look like it. They don't feel like it, but I am with you. The same Lord of hosts that was in the temple beforehand and in Jerusalem and especially when Israel left Egypt all those years ago. So I believe this is an important word for everyone here. Listen to this word from Romans 8.31. You can, you, you can complete the verse. If God be for us, who can be against us? Well, we may have lots of people against us and lots of forces against us. But if God's on our side, who can be against us? And I think all of us, including myself, we need to remember that. Therefore, be strong. Stand up for Christ where you are. Do not allow yourself to be afraid 
and put down. Lastly, and I love this, verse 6 to 9, the Lord says, I will. First of all, he says, be strong and work, for I am with you. I'll remember my covenant. I can't renege on it. And then the Lord says, I will. This is, of course, future. And listen to this. This is what the Lord Almighty says, the Lord of hosts. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I'll shake all nations, and the desires of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Now, isn't this just like God? If you know the way the prophets prophesied, um, all the prophets, God's last word is never judgment. Remember that. His last word is never judgment. There may be all sorts of reasons why God brings judgment, and he does. But the last word is never judgment. Let us always remember that. And so, this is what God does. These people are downhearted. They're looking at a ruined uh, city largely and certainly a ruined temple. And the Lord says, listen, look at the the future. Get your eyes off your present situation. Look to what I'm going to do. I am God. I'm the Lord of hosts. And this is what I will do. And God says, first of all, there's going to be judgment. I will shake the whole of creation. Of course, this obviously naturally speaks about earthquakes, but what he's really after here is his judgment on the whole earth because he says, I will shake all nations and the desires of all nations will come and fill this house. It is interesting that this verse is um, repeated in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 12, I'm just going to read this to you. See to it that in Hebrews 12 and verse 23, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they do not escape when they refused him, if they did not escape, sorry, when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The the words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that that which cannot be shaken may remain. Now, it's interesting there, isn't it? Because God's timing is completely different from ours. When it says here, in a little while I will once more shake the heavens, clearly the writer of Hebrews, which is at least 450, 500 years later, is still looking forward to the day when the Lord's going to fulfill that. Once more I will shake the earth. He's, he's looking ahead, isn't he? That's a period of 500 years, roughly. So God's sense of timing is totally different from ours. But be absolutely assured that as surely as God promised and the Messiah came, Jesus came, he promised that he will shake all nations, and that also he will bring salvation to all nations, because both are here. Look at at it. I will shake all nations, 
By the way, the desire looks as though it's a singular there, but actually the correct reading is a plural. So it means the desired things of all nations, the wealth of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord. The silver is mine, the gold is mine. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of um, the former house. I would put it to you that we've got both themes here that are consistently seen in all the prophets in the Old Testament. The day of the Lord is coming when the Lord will shake the nations. That's going to be judgment. We should never forget that God is God and he has the right and authority. He may be slow to judge, but judgment comes on to the nations of this earth. It will happen. But always there is salvation as well. So we've got God announcing judgment and God announcing salvation. And that salvation is not just going to be for a few Jews living in the Middle East. It's going to be for all nations. It's going to be a great ingathering of all nations. And I put it to you that this is written in Old Testament language and images. And I would put it to you that this is a picture here of the gathering of millions and millions of people internationally from around the world. And here is the thrilling thing, that what was prophesied then in Haggai, we can see more exactly in our day. One of the people in our church in Lighthouse is a converted Muslim from a fanatical Muslim group called the Pushtuns in Pakistan. And he is a zealous Christian. He went to New Wine, and he goes to all the seminars to do with Islam when he goes to New Wine. And he brought back this wonderful DVD. Some of you may have been there, I don't know. And some of you may have seen this. And it is a remarkable DVD. We played it in Lighthouse last Sunday, actually. It is about what God is doing in Algeria, in North Africa. And it is amazing. It is totally amazing. It's all indigenous. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And they reckon there's a hundred thousand converted Muslims now. And it's so moving to see them worshipping God, the zeal they've got, the love for the Lord, at a cost. It's a Muslim nation. And in the midst of the Muslim nation, God is doing amazing things. We have numbers of Iranians in our church. And, in fact, a baptism earlier this year. I think two Iranians were baptized, and we've got some more in a baptism coming up. I think it's in October. God is moving in a remarkable way in Iran itself and in Iranians around the world. It's unprecedented. We hear a lot of negative stuff about Islam, quite naturally, because of terrorism and so on. But we never hear what God is doing in gathering in an unprecedented way Muslims to himself, to his beloved son in different countries around the world. It's got to be on a bigger and bigger bigger scale, of course, in many more nations who deserve to know the Lord Jesus Christ. So as we draw to a conclusion, these dispirited people, three messages, be strong and work. Don't allow yourself to to look down. Be strong. Be courageous. I am with you. And then listen. This is a bigger deal. This is a bigger picture than any of you can imagine. This little building here, there's something which is going to be altogether more glorious than you can ever even imagine. The very wealth of the nations from all around the world are going to come. They're going to come here and they're going to give 
the wealth. And I think it's just a, simply an Old Testament picture, an Old Testament imagery, an understanding of the kingdom of God, which, which is um, Judo-centric um, in the Old Testament. I think that that, of course, finally when Christ comes again, he will come back to the same place. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth then. Now, what about yourself, dear friends? Are you discouraged? Are you finding it difficult to be a Christian? I'm sure some of you are. You wouldn't be honest if you said, no, it's no problem at all. Of course, it's not easy to stand for Christ these days. But listen, God has got a message for you. God has got a message. Have you got it? Did you hear something that God has got for you? Let us pray, and I'll hand over to John. Let us close with prayer now, this little part of the service. Oh, Heavenly Father, we worship and praise you. We only know a little of who you are. You are the mighty Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies. You are the one who who chooses weak, ordinary people, people who shouldn't be, people who don't deserve to be, and through them you accomplish amazing things and we bow before you in worship and praise and we want to say to you Lord we are weak and we feel it so often sometimes we get discouraged Lord forgive us we pray strengthen us by your word strengthen us by your spirit whatever we're called to do wherever we're called to be a witness for Christ give us the strength Lord to stand for you and to love those who are unlovely to forgive those who've treated us badly, to speak up for Christ where we've been afraid to open our mouths. Give us grace, we pray, Lord Jesus, and we praise you for what you are going to do, your great and wonderful purposes of which we've got little glimpses every now and again. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.